This episode of the Outside Podcast is brought to you by Saris, a company that dedicates $100,000 every year to cycling advocacy programs. They also make the exceptional Magnus and Hammer indoor smart trainers, the kind that allow you to ride your bike around a fictional video game island from the comfort of your podcast partner's basement. All right, there you are. That's your guy. That's me? That's you. So start pedaling. Now, my podcast partner happens to be a competitive cyclist. He's been geeking out on these trainers for a month. But if you don't have someone explaining things to you in very granular detail, what you need to know is that Cyclops Smart Trainers convert your normal outdoor bike into a stationary bike and link it to your computer. This allows you to adjust pedaling resistance on the fly. And if you use virtual training software like Ruby or Zwift, the bike will react to the digital environment you're riding through. Slip in and draft behind the peloton, and you'll feel the difference. Jump on them. See? Oh, yeah, you could. See, if you close the gap, yeah, if you catch them, then you'll get a um, drafting boost, so it'll get okay. a little easier. Yeah, so now you're drafting. Hi, guys. Sarah's trainers are handmade in Madison, Wisconsin. Use Ruby or Zwift software, and you can race your friends or just other random online people anytime you want, which means even competitive cyclists podcast-producing new fathers can bring their ride inside and sacrifice nothing. And for me, you know, like on a busy day and, and watching Zev and just, you know, having no time during daylight to go out and train to to know that this is here that I can come down and have like a killer workout that's not just hard but also like fun to do is it's kind of been a game changer uh I'm actually uh, a year on into fatherhood I'm in shape again which makes one of us but I'm working on it what else do we need to talk about well I don't know I mean you've got 40 minutes before you get to the top of this climb so so Get comfortable. Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) From Outside Magazine and PRX, these are dispatches. Stories from our writers in the field. A few months ago, in the middle of summer, the musician Jack Johnson announced that he had a new album coming out. And when Jack Johnson releases a new album, the editors of Outside take notice. It might seem a little strange for this mellow musician to have such a presence in the magazine, but Jack grew up on Oahu, near Pipeline, and was a near-pro-level surfer as a teenager. If not for one bad wipeout, he might have been featured in the surf films he started producing, rather than singing the music in the background. Outside's executive editor, Mike Roberts, says it was almost an accident that his surf music caught on with a mainstream audience, but as it did, it became linked with everything that Outside covers. What made us decide that this was something we should be talking about was really just anywhere you went, all these Outside Magazine kinds of places, he was there. He was the omnipresent soundtrack to what you did after you went surfing or swimming or paddleboarding or kayaking or even skiing or climbing. It was just Jack was everywhere. So the magazine started writing about him telling the world about how he's even more relaxed and laid back than his Sleepy Vibes music would suggest, how he always wore flip-flops, described himself as a hippie with short hair, and generally lived life as the guy who turns down the music before anyone asks him to. The magazine published an interview, then a profile, and in 2005 it even sponsored an after-party in New York, following his concert in Central Park. Jack Johnson was the celebrity guest, but to hear Mike tell it, as the event picked up steam, Jack wasn't the only pretty face. All of a sudden, um, like a whole bunch of Victoria's Secret models showed up, and the party just started getting pretty wild. And, and everyone there 
that I knew in New York at the time was just having a blast. You ever thought this is just the best time ever? And the one person at that party who looked miserable was Jack Johnson. And you could just tell, you know, all, all the sort of flashing photos and the, and the high-end fashion was just not his thing. It's, it sounds like you kind of started believing at that point in the myth of Jack Johnson. When you're working with people who are celebrities, you can't tell if they're just putting on a show for you. If they're, they're trying to live up to some image that they think is good for their brand or that their publicist has told them to project. So it, it seemed real. But when I, when I really, really believed it was about a year later, I was on a family trip in Hawaii. I had a, you know, then my, my son was just before he turned two and we were on the North Shore and we were driving along as we had been checking out different beaches. And all of a sudden we're at a stop sign and I look to my left and there goes Jack Johnson on a cruiser bike with two kids behind him. He had flip-flops on, just looked like a mellow surfer guy at home, which is exactly what he was. You know, that's where he lives. So that's where things stood the last seven years. Man and myth and perfect harmony. But then Jack announced a new album, and Mike started paying more attention to him. And a few weeks ago, Mike said he wanted to do a podcast episode and talk to Jack. Because something felt different. Here's what most of us know about Jack Johnson. He's the guy you hear when you're on the beach, or in places that you want to think about the beach, like surf shops or the back patio of restaurants that serve a lot of Coronas with lime. This is a global phenomenon. Over the last 15 years, I've heard Jack Johnson played in oceanside bars and stores in Costa Rica, Mexico, Thailand, and two Caribbean islands, plus the Boat Basin, a restaurant on the Hudson River in Manhattan. Not surprisingly, being the soundtrack to Good Vibes Beach Life has led to caricature of Jack as a supremely mellow, guitar-strumming surfer dude. My favorite parody of him was on Saturday Night Live, when Andy Samberg played Jack in a fake commercial selling JJ Casuals, shoes that look like bare feet. Hi, I'm mellow pop folk singer Jack Johnson. I like to keep it super casual. That's why I always go barefoot. Jack also has a reputation as the most environmentally conscious multi-platinum rock star out there, and he's earned it. He and his wife, Kim, have started two foundations to support environmental education. Jack was an early member of the Green Giving Program, 1% for the Planet. He's been a pioneer in eco-conscious touring, working with venues to reduce waste at his own shows and make it easier for other artists to follow his lead. But Jack has never been very comfortable talking about any of this. When asked why, he said he doesn't want to come across as preachy. He's also just shy. When I interviewed him in 2010, he told me that early on, he literally dreaded going on stage. Fast forward to 2017, though, and something's up with Jack Johnson. Mr. Mello was suddenly looking us all in the eyes and telling us what he thinks. Never be the same. In February, his brush fire label released a documentary called The Smog of the Sea a film that followed a group of scientists, surfers, and freedivers on a sailing expedition between Bermuda and the Bahamas. They collected water samples loaded with tiny plastic bits. Jack was on the ship, and he played a central character in the film. But we really have to ask ourselves, do we want to keep making things that are meant to be used for a second and then last in the ocean forever? And so, you know, it gets there lots of different ways. Sometimes it's intentional and it's dumped off a boat, but more often than not, it's blown out of a landfill or so much of, of what we're producing is ending up in the ocean. Then in July, Jack released a single called My Mind is for Sale that's a very obvious anti-Trump song. The video shows him building walls with his kids' blocks. 
than tearing them down. I don't care for your paranoid Us against them walls I don't care for your careless Me first, give me, give me appetite at all The song is the fourth track on Jack's new album, All the Light Above It Too, which comes out on September 8th. It's his first album in four years, making this the longest gap between albums since his debut back in 2001. He didn't have a deal with the label for their new record. He just decided to make one. All of this sure makes you think that Jack Johnson has some things he really wants to say. He's both more comfortable talking about what matters to him and bolder in his messages. So this summer, when he came through the Bay Area to play a couple shows at the Greek Theater near where I live, I decided to ask him, what's going on? Sorry about that. Hey, hey, how's it going, you guys? Hey, nice to see you. Yeah, you too. How's everything? I know. Sorry to keep you guys waiting. Yeah, it's okay. No problem. Thanks for coming up. Yeah. We met up about an hour before the show, so I could join Jack in what's become his ritual tour of the Village Green, a space his All at Once Foundation creates at every venue he plays to connect fans with local environmental nonprofits. Yesterday we ran this. Come on. We can do it again. We walked through the village, stopping at booths for groups working on things like school gardening, local food production, and reducing plastic waste. Everyone here adores Jack, and he knows a lot about their projects. And we still have some of that old uneasiness about being the guy in the spotlight. Now, I don't always carry a microphone everywhere I go, <laughs> but um, thank you guys for being here. It doesn't work without all the volunteers. After more handshakes and thank yous, we retreat to the Greek theater practice room, a small underground space that's got a drum kit and a few guitars and amps. We sit down, and I tell him what I think, that he's a different person than he used to be, that something has pushed him to speak up and take a stand on certain issues. In other words, that the laid-back Jack Johnson has lost his cool. There's something that has changed in you, and I, I want, am, am I right? And if I am, what, what inspired that? I like that. I like the, uh, the synopsis. I think it's good. I think it, I think it works. I th- it's interesting doing interviews because I don't do them very much uh, until I have a new record out, and then I tend to do a bunch in a row. It's it's like seeing a psychiatrist because all of a sudden people like they look at these groups of ideas that you put together and they start to kind of tell you things. But no, I appreciate that one. I think it's probably true. It wasn't a conscious choice or anything like that. I just tend to write about what's on my mind. With what's on Jack's on, mind is the same right stuff now, that's on most people's minds right now: politics, what, protests, um, hate. Immigration. In a letter Jack sent to media outlets about the new album, he wrote that he hopes the new songs make people feel good about a world that can be extremely confusing. He also wrote that this seems like an important time to be clear about how we feel. For Jack, that meant a song that directly takes on Trump's big wall. I wanted to at least have a song on the record that I stated the way I felt about certain things. You know, I mean, just feels like such a divisive time with like the idea of just building walls that separate us. Not even just like the literal wall that Trump talks about, but just the idea of anybody who wants to separate people by race and religion and uh, how, you know, the choices we decide to make. I mean, and then to pull out of the Paris Agreement, all these things that, that not just me, but um, everybody in our crew works so hard on all these environmental uh, issues. I've got two foundations that focus on it. So, I mean, it would be hard not to get a little bit frustrated and depressed when the leader of our country pulls out of the Paris Agreement and rips apart the EPA and like all these choices that are happening right now. It just feels like it would be ridiculous not to make some kind of a, a, a statement about it in my music. And so 
it just felt really natural that that one the chorus on that song my mind's for sale is meant to be really clear whereas the verses are meant to be a little bit how the news feels right now i start every line by i heard well i heard the blinkers on i heard we're changing lanes i heard he likes to race I heard that six or seven words he likes to use are always in bad taste. I heard that Monday is just a word we say every seven times around, and then we pin the tail on Tuesday and watch the strings go up and down. And the elephant in the room begins to dance, the camera zoom into his mouth, begins to move the hateful words he uses. And so, like, that's kind of meant to be like almost like hearsay and like fake news and this and that. And like, there's all these things. It's never been easier to find the truth, but it's also never been easier to spread lies, you know, as right now. I don't care for your paranoid. Us against them wall. Okay, so a nasty political moment has them fired up, just like so many other people. That makes sense. But still, I wanted to know what got him past his concerns about being preachy? I hear hear you on that. I think it's probably true. I think it just has to do with uh, where I'm at in my life. It's almost too simple to blame it on age, but there comes a time where it's our turn. You know, uh, maybe I felt like a kid still in the first part of my career, and part of me was still reaching in the direction to hold my dad's hand, and then the other one was reaching this way and kind of pulling my kids with me. And then now I just feel really comfortable as as a father. You know, I lost my dad a few years back and kind of had to get more comfortable with the role of being the dad and the family. And uh, I think, you know, Jacques Cousteau says we protect the things we love. And so I just realized it's my time to, to do that work. For Jack, the work is mostly in his commitment to his foundations and the environmental nonprofits he supports. He's still very careful about lecturing in his songs. Well, unless he's at a school playing for kids, which he does from time to time. It's always tricky for me. I've never wanted the music to feel like a PSA. And so I've always avoided I do have like PSA type songs all right. They never make it on a record, but I got songs that I'll play in uh, cafeterias around all around that are like a uh, single use plastic is not so fantastic, fantastic to use a minute or two. And then it sits around for a few thousand years, maybe even more. And then it washes up on the shore. Just bring your own bag to the store. There's no need to be such a fancy pants Put down the plastic water bottle Give the kids a chance Cause the next generation is growing We gotta be knowing That if we're consuming We gotta be doing What we can do to reduce our waste So I write those kind of songs all the time But I know they're for cafeterias And then, you know, on the record I always try to make sure that If it has any kind of environmental theme It's really just the ideas um, Trying to reconnect those connections That are already there Between people and nature So trying to make people fall in love with the ocean again through a song, maybe, you know. Jack says that on his new album, he's offering exactly the kind of messaging we've been talking about. Plus songs that are supposed to help us forget about all our worries. Yeah, I think this album has a little bit of both. I think um, there's, there's the first song is called Subplots, and for me that song is, the subplots are kind of like each of the other songs on the, um, on the album or the subplots, and it can be all the things that become overwhelming in life. How many subplots you got running around your mind? The Gordian knot must be cut through. Well, give me a red pen. And the chorus is about how the sun shines down, but it also shines up and it goes in every direction. And it's not just for us. You know, this isn't uh, just a given that we get this amazing experience called life. We have to, it seems from all the scientific the evidence now is that we need to work towards keeping this place beautiful. All the light under the sun 
Not a lot above it too Is gonna rise and shine And all the light under the sun And all the light above it too It don't shine for you And then it goes on, uh, you can't control it. It's like a father speaking to his son and trying to talk some sense, but then realizing also is like, son, in the end, we don't have any control. You know, it's uh, we work, our, we do our best. You just try to bring love into the world. And how many subplots you got swimming through that mind? Scream for sympathy or sing the blues. Run from your shadows or relax in their shade. Which road you gonna choose? I think the first four songs, Sunsets for Somebody Else and then My Mind is for Sale, they're all social or political commentary. And then by the time you get to Big Sur, for me, that one, I wanted to call it that because that's a place that my family and I go to camp a lot. And it's like that feeling you get when you're driving off and just sort of escaping all the first four songs <laughs> and just getting to go and hang out with friends around a campfire. Behind the wheel, against the road, next to you, the central coast. The central thought within my mind is how to stay within these lines, but still be free. Beneath the ground. In times like these, escaping, especially to the ocean, is of course what most people associate with Jack Johnson's music. As you might expect, he takes a lot of inspiration from his time in the water. He wrote one of the tracks on the new album, Sunsets for Somebody Else on a surf trip with Kelly Slater. We surfed a bunch. We surfed our brains out on that trip. It was really amazing waves. And uh, it just the time, you know, detaching. Sometimes you're in a studio for, I was in there for like a couple of weeks. We don't have a crazy schedule or anything, but you're kind of in there day to day. And then you feel like I just need to keep working, keep, you know, keep working. And then it's like, the first day when I get out of it sometimes, like all of a sudden all these new ideas come where I hear songs in a different way when I listen to them outside of the studio. So I think more than anything, it was just a perfect time for a break. What is any of it worth? You find yourself looking up at night From the bottom of the earth Do you have a hard and fast rule that on every album there has to be a love song for your wife? Yeah, more or less. I mean, I think it might be her rule. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think on my first record, it's full of songs that I never knew would be on a real record. They were just songs I wrote and put on little four-track tapes, and I assumed that like 30, 40 of my friends might hear. And then it started growing, and then all it happened so quick where they, I was making my record. And a song like Bubble Toes, which is just like, I don't know if I would have, there's some songs where I don't know if I would have written them if I, like, thought that people would hear them, you know, they're just kind of, but then I don't know, I mean, I still write cheesy songs, like, I mean, I know they're cheesy, like a song like Love Song Number 16, it's like sappy, maybe cheesy is too strong a word, like sappy, like I let myself go there, I don't mind. You were still in arms length away from me, didn't know what I wanted, yeah, but you were already reading beat poetry. It's, it's interesting though when those are the only songs, like some people, they only hear Bubble Toes and Banana Pancakes and like this love song number 16 and they kind of assume that that's all I write about or anything whereas I think people who get into my whole albums know that there's been social and political commentary on every album 
and that those ones are just fun and they're kind of like the, probably the truest ones in a weird way you know it's just like the ones that take five minutes to write there's some truth in that too that um it's like a beautiful thing where it could just it can happen so quickly and it's um in a way i don't feel like i, I need to like edit those as much um oh, man, i can't get in the crowd how you guys doing except for the personal aspect i always just try to make sure like this is nothing that's going to embarrass my wife you know i hope maybe she's embarrassed all the time because of me i don't know love you too baby you hardly even notice when i try to show you the song is meant to keep you from doing what you're supposed to like waking up too early maybe we were sleeping Make your banana pancakes Pretend like it's the weekend right now We can pretend it all the time So, Jack Johnson may be older and bolder, but the rest of us have changed too. And that might make the biggest difference in what we hear on his new album. These days, we're all just looking and listening for a fight. Jack gives us a bit of one with all the light above it too. Mostly though, his new songs, like his old ones, make us want to go to the beach or take a road trip to kick back and have a good time. After we're done talking, Jack went on stage and did what he does best, make thousands of strangers feel like they're hanging out around a campfire with their friends. He told us to relax, pretend it's the weekend. Sounded pretty good to me. Mike Roberts is the executive editor of Outside and the engine behind the scenes making this podcast happen most weeks. This piece was produced by Robbie Carver and edited by me, Peter Fickright. Thanks to Jeremy Dalmas for recording the interview, Brittany Pierce and Kizzy O'Neill for access to Jack's new music, and the Greek Theater in Berkeley for letting us in the door with the microphone. The Outside Podcast is a production of Outside Magazine and PRX.